Hey, St. Paul, welcome to our new podcast on Brennan Manning's book entitled The Ragamuffin Gospel. Tommy Bridges and I will be walking through this book alongside of you. We encourage you to get the book and to read alongside, uh, read along with us. The book is subtitled uh, The Good News for the Bedraggled, Beat Up, and Burnt Out. And I can't tell you, Tommy, how appropriate that is for me today. How appropriate that is for all of us that this gospel, this ragamuffin gospel, is really good news for the bedraggled, beat up, and burnt out. No doubt. We all need it. I love in the introduction, one of the testimonies that Michael W. Smith writes about this book. Here is the purest picture that I'd ever seen of God's relentless pursuit of his raggedy creation. When was the last time you used the word ragamuffin? Uh, I can't think of a time in the last 10 years that I have, <laughs> but, but probably I should have more often than not. I was introduced to this book probably 15 years ago by a good friend of mine who actually taught this book in a Sunday school class. And he gave me the book, and throughout the book that he gave me, he's got little notes in it that uh, that I, I, I enjoyed reading then. And I kind of put it on the shelf and forgot about it until about a year ago. And going through some, some old books, I found it. And I found that it is a deep book, but it's very refreshing because it brings to light that we all are ragamuffins. We are all not what we think we are. From a perspective of our religion and our walk with Christ, and you and I spent 13 weeks with the celebration of discipline. And a lot of that kind of mirrors what Manning is saying in this particular book. One of the things that caught me from the, from the get-go was that Wesley said, it cannot be that people should grow in grace unless they give themselves to reading. And you remember we had a discipline on study. Right. And as we read the Bible and as we meditate on Scripture, this is exactly what this book prompts me to do, to really understand that a lot of the things that I've learned from the celebration of discipline and the, the fact that reading is second only to prayer in our spiritual growth. Because if we don't take time to spend time with God and reading his word and letting him speak to us. And as we said so many times in the past, putting ourselves in a position where God can transform us into the, to the person that he designed us to be. But yet I think we have these inflated ideas of who we are, especially in society. And it's kind of a two-edged sword, if you would. We live in an affluent society. We are all very fortunate to be, I don't think any of us lack food or transportation or housing. But sometimes I think that promotes itself into an inflated idea of who we really are sometimes. And what it does, Tommy, is that it ultimately makes us feel that everything that we have and every blessing that, that is ours, that we're very fortunate about, is something that we have earned, something that we deserve. 
And this is where we find ourselves in trouble when it comes to the gospel. The gospel is the good news about the grace of God for people. And grace is not something in the context of the scriptures. When it talks about God's grace, it's not something that we deserve. It's not something that we have earned. As Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is a work of God, not of man, so that people cannot boast about it. But what happens is because our society has categorized grace as a virtue, as something that defines who we are, oh, that person is so gracious. Or if we come home from uh, school and we have a bad report card, there's a sense of disgrace about that. And we have defined people by grace, this virtue, or you are gracious or you're a disgrace or whatnot. It only fuels that idea that it is something that we earn. Well, I didn't do something right, or I did something right here, and I have to keep on doing that thing. But grace is, in the biblical sense, is not something that we have earned, something that we deserve. David Barnhouse writes, love that goes up is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. But love that stoops down is grace. And this is the biggest, most profound picture of God's grace towards us, is that he loves us and he stoops down. And this is the grace, something that we do not deserve at all. True. I was interested in Manning's opening comment in the first chapter. He was doing this seminar in Minneapolis, and as he was leaving the church, he overheard this gentleman say, that airhead didn't say one thing about what we have to do to earn our salvation. And I think our culture has prompted the idea that we have to bring ourselves up from our bootstraps, as the old saying goes, and we're not given anything. We have to work for everything that we have. But that's not the way God looks at us. We don't have to earn this. And to the point that we understand that we are accepted just as we are and accept the fact that God, his attributes are unlimited. There's no limit to what he can do. And you read Tozar's book about the attributes of God. There's so many, so many, many, many. One of them is love. And his love for us is unconditional. It is unconditional. We don't have to do one thing to earn it. This misunderstanding of God's grace, when it's centered around the aspect that many of us live into, as we were describing earlier, and what that comment on Manning's sermon or his lecture that he was given, that he did not say, that airhead did not say one thing about what we have to do to earn our salvation. The very next phrase that Manning says is, something is radically wrong. Something is radically wrong. What has that done, not only to the people who are in the church community, what has that done to people outside on the margins who who are not in a church community? What has that done to their perception of who God is? John, I don't think that they feel welcome. As Christians, sometimes we put labels on people. Well, I can't believe they dress that way. I can't believe they live where they live. Even though they're probably wonderful, wonderful people, that work hard 
and try to do the right thing, but they don't feel welcome, and we don't make them feel welcome. On both sides of the fence, Tommy, that unwelcoming spirit has put them in some kind of bondage. Exactly. Of distortion, of the image of God, that God is, as Manning writes, that God is this eternal, small-minded bookkeeper, that he's just, you know, looking in his ledger, and if the good outweighs the wrong, then you're accepted, you're part of the family. And then what we do as people in the church is we feel like we have to put this mask on. You know, growing up, I remember Sunday mornings as the most hectic times in our family's life. My mom and dad were blessed with four boys, and we could never get our act together on Sunday mornings. I could find my left shoe, and I couldn't find my right shoe. I couldn't find my clip-on tie, but I wasn't the only one. My whole family, I mean, it was just rugged, and we're in the car, and we're getting the lecture from mom or dad about how we're supposed to act, and, and there, you know, someone was poking me, and, and then all of a sudden, we pull into the parking lot, and we open the door, and every single one of our faces had a smile on it, and, and we feel like, okay, we don't want to be real, And where we end up is living into this reality that we believe that we don't even need God. We never really fully grasp the vastness, the majesty of God's grace. And where we end up is bedraggled. Exactly. Beat up and burnt out. Throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, we see humanity dealing with the self— We spoke about this in our Celebration of Discipline series. Are we a part of the world, the kingdom of the world, or the kingdom of self, or the kingdom of God? And an interesting thing that Manning points out, he says, we accept grace in theory, but we deny it in our daily lives. We come to church, and we hear sermon after sermon after sermon about grace. We even sing about grace, amazing grace. So I think the point that you made is on point, that we, in theory, we say, okay, I understand grace, but we don't practice grace. And that's why we see these people on the outside. They don't feel welcome. That's where we're falling down. That's where the Christian community is falling down. And that's where, in fact, our whole society falls down. There's too many pecking orders. And God is love, and he loves us warts and all, just as we are. We spoke about this in our last podcast with Shane. God accepts us just like we are. We don't have to change. We don't have to earn. We don't have to do anything but accept his love and his grace. We were speaking about this before we started, the idea of children how he he emphasizes the childlike behavior. And he admonished his disciples, don't push them away. They are the kingdom of God. Why is that? They didn't earn anything. They haven't earned anything yet. They're children. Everything they have is a gift. Is a gift. Is a gift. And you know what? They accept it. How can we pay attention to this and actually keep a finger on the pulse to make sure that we're not doing this with the grace of God, that we have replaced a response with responsibility? 
that we have added to and thus diminishing that completed work of Christ on the cross that that brings us into acceptance by making it you believe Jesus and you don't do this. We have muddied and diluted what God has done and made it about us, made it about our own bootstraps. Exactly. Just just think of a child. There is 100% dependence on their parents. There's 100% trust. Everything in their existence is dependent on their parent. They haven't done one thing to earn that other than being born. And that's how we have to readjust our thinking in a childlike manner. That our total dependence is on God. We accept his gifts. Everything that we have is a gift. And if, if we can adjust our thinking to that and accept the fact that we do not have to earn grace, it's a gift. The good news is the proclamation that grace is an absolute total gift. Timothy Keller preached a sermon in 95, Timothy Keller did, and the subject was on humility and, and pride. And, and in this sermon, what he preaches about is that humility is that which receives life as a gift, because pride in the spiritual sense is cosmic plagiarism, claiming something that is yours that is not that is not ours. Remember when you all were singing Handel's Messiah, nobody after their solo or that performance came up and said, this is what I wrote. Look, look <laughs> I, 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 I composed this music. Nobody did that. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's plagiarism sure. claiming something that's yours. Yeah. That is not yours. This is the idea of, of what happens inside of us. And it's so subtle that we think what we have is ours because we deserve it. That God's love for us, that the good news is not really good. It's, it's something that I deserve. I'm owed it. I'm due. Right. Interesting little snippet he has in, on page 24. And this is kind of funny, but it proves a point that no matter where we are in our life stage, we're all subject to temptation, and we're all sinners. As the gospel of grace lays hold of us, something is radically right. We are living in truth and reality. We become as honest as a 92-year-old priest who was loved by everybody in the town for his holiness. And it goes on to say that in the Rotary Club, this, this priest was at every week, sat in the same chair every week. And all of a sudden, he just disappeared. And everybody was so concerned about him. Everybody was asking, well, what happened to so-and-so and so-and-so? He hadn't showed up. Well, he finally shows back up a month later, and they said, Father, everyone cried, where have you been? Well, I just served a 30-day sentence in prison. <laughs> in prison, they cried. Father, you couldn't hurt a fly. What happened? He said, well, that's a long story, but briefly, this is what happened. I bought myself a train ticket to go to the city. I was standing on the platform waiting for the train to arrive when this stunningly beautiful girl appeared on the arms of a policeman. She looked at me, turned to the cop, and said, he did it. He did it. I assure you he did it. Well, to tell you the truth, I was so flattered, I pleaded guilty. <laughs> So he said, there's a touch of vanity in even the holiest men and women. 
They see no reason to deny it, and they know that reality bites back if it isn't respected. I thought that was cool. We all battle with this. Yeah, every day. We all battle with this paradox of living into this, that we're just human. We're sinners saved by grace, not sinners saved by works. We're recipients of God stooping down and expressing his love. It's not a virtue. This is uh, where he draws this first chapter to a close. And I made a little note in my margin that I think this is where we all must begin when it comes to understanding the biblical definition of God's grace. He writes, My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ, and I have done nothing to earn that. And then a few pages later, he says, Never confuse your perception of yourself with the mystery that you really are accepted. I mean, just imagine, Tommy, what would be different in our society today, in our local churches, in our small groups and relationships, in our families, if we approached each one as a ragamuffin who's deeply loved by God? John, it would change the world. It really would. And I would encourage everyone to go to Romans 8 and just read that chapter. Uh, Really, the last, I think it's the last uh, few verses in, in the chapter about there is nothing in the world that can get in the way of God's love for us. Nothing. Paul emphasizes this so eloquently in that chapter. If we all would take an inventory of our lives and who we are and where we are in in an honest inventory and understand that we're all in this together. We're all children of God. He loves us all. This is how 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says exactly what you're referring to. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And then John says, and so we are. I think that's the issue that we all have. We've been called the children of God, but the leap for us is believing right. so we are. Exactly. We look at our relationship with God. We might see our, our relationship with God as the same between a king and a peasant, that we are mere peasants. And so we are finding ourselves responding to God out of duty. It's not that I get to do this. I I have to do this so that I might get a good response from the king and I might find myself accepted by the king. Others, they might find themselves seeing their relationship with God as master and slave, that God is the master and I am the slave. And then what defines that is fear. I'm afraid. I I got to do this. And if I don't, God's going to strike me down. If I don't pray for my meal and I get sick or I don't pray for so-and-so and and they don't pull through or they don't, or they're not healed. It was my fault. I didn't do something right. And others look at their relationship with God as employer employee, that there's a sense of entitlement. Look, I did my part. Now you owe me my salary. You owe me this. 
we all at times move between one or the other. But this is not how God unfolds this relationship. It's as you said, we are the children of God. You know, when I think of my children, I often wonder, what is it about them that I love so much? It's not that I'm doubting that love. It's not that they have earned that love. I love them because they breathe. They simply exist, that they're mine. This is revolutionary to all of us. Yes. And this is my prayer for all of us who are listening today, that maybe we just take a moment to just step back and re-examine for just a moment, how do we live into God's grace for us? So may it be for us in the days to come. Thank you, Tommy, for joining us. And each week, we'll be back here on this podcast. We'll work our way through Brendan Manning's book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Feel free to reach out to us if you'd like to. You can do so by emailing us at podcast at spumcolumbus.com.